Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, folks, welcome to Daredevil Season 2, Episode 2, Dogs to a Gunfight. Dogs to a Gunfight, The Punisher. I think we know where this is going. Great first episode. Hope you all enjoyed the amazing acapella performance of uh, the Daredevil theme by the good folks at Warp Zone, who I wor- what, am f- very familiar with, not personally, but know people involved heavily with that project. It was I knew they did stuff like that, but man, did they nail it. And uh, I, I'm using it, giving them full credit and getting you guys to go check out their website. If they send me a cease and desist, I will. I don't think they will, though, because they are free speech internet video YouTube guys. <laughs> I'm sure they're happy for the publicity. And so just go check them out. The Warp Zone, they're on Facebook. They're all over YouTube. And they do hilarious parodies like, what would social media be like between all the main characters of Arrow, <laughs> you know, or so forth. It's all like, uh, you know, ner- nerd meets reality stuff. It's very, very funny. But you can tell, and I know because one of the lead guys that runs it, Davis, uh, some of the biggest nerds on the planet, I listen to Star Wars podcast, so it's all coming from a great place. So Foggy's running up the stairs. Let's see. Foggy Bear, where are you running right now? And yes, I will be calling him Foggy Bear, so get used to it because that's who he is. He's Foggy Bear. That's what Marcy calls him, so that's what we're going to call him because we love Marcy. I think one of the greatest twi- like sort of character twists in all of the defenders that has almost no bearing on the plot, but it's just hilarious on so many levels is having him ending up at Hogarth's after everything that goes on in these shows and the Jessica Jones show is amazing. I mean, there's really no comparison between this and the CW. Like if you watch Arrow and the Flash in those shows, you're specifically looking for a network television show where, yes, there's some action, but it's almost completely predictable in terms of dialogue and plot and everything else. The shots all kind of look the same. There's not going to be a lot of blood. There'll be no cursing. Oh, right. He finds Matt up there. Good thing Foggy knows. This is, of course, the other thing that, that that's hilarious in uh, Masked Crusaders. Uh, here comes the music. Oh, you guys will hear the acapella. I won't do it. Um, but uh, it'll just be in my head. But you know, as soon as the best friends of the vigilante find out the secret, all of a sudden they're constantly finding them in situations where they can and should demask them. Anyways, never happened before. You know, it's my whole Simon on the Firefly thing. How does the Firefly crew survive all their gunshot wounds and explosions before Simon Tam comes on board to be their doctor? 
So I'll say this here once, guys, and I'll, I'll maybe mention it in passing. I am going to be watching some of Daredevil Season 3 in concurrence with this, but I'm not going to... Not only am I not going to bring any spoilers, but I'm really talking about the show as I originally watched it. The only maybe reference I would make is if there's, like, something I missed that was obvious to everybody else, like about Fisk, for example... Um, you know, thematically, but even then, I, I highly doubt this season. And that's what's great about Daredevil season two is it's great as a standalone season of television, even if you hadn't seen any of the other Netflix shows. And that was sort of the point of the Netflix Marvel shows that was that while the the, sh- the individual seasons were completely serialized, uh, you could jump in at any point and enjoy it. And that's why the MCU has been so. Sure, you know what, X-ray. That's why the uh, you know the MCU's been so successful in the movies with Marvel is age wise, demographic wise you can jump in uh, anywhere. <laughs> he just he just said you got shot in the head, man. I think he called it a dumb mistake. <laughs> oh, maybe man, him he he made a dumb mistake. He's fastest guy, foggy. He's castle. He's trained. He's a lunatic. Mm hmm. Yeah. We've been through this. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I like when they give extremely brief moments of dark, dry comedy to Matt Murdock. I think the best is, and they knew it was funny because they put it in the trailers for the Defenders, is it's actually one of the final scenes, but it doesn't give anything away. It's him, Jessica, and Luke going down the elevator shaft to rescue their buddy Danny Rand and beat the, the, the dark sky. And... Matt Murdock finally opens up about being glad to meet them, and you know if if he's gonna end you know his life, he'd rather end it here than anywhere else. And the whole thing, and Jessica's making fun of him, and he he keeps being honest and sincere. And Luke Cage just has this look in his eyes, like, is he really saying this? And as soon as Matt Murdock finally stops blabbering, Luke Cage is just like, I ain't gonna hug you. And Matt Murdock just looks down and. <laughs> He's so he's. It's not that he's frustrated with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, but you know it wasn't the response he was looking for. This is a great moment of comedy between those three characters, and Charlie Cox nails it as always, and he keeps getting better both between episodes and uh, between seasons, as you say, but just in rewatches, his subtle acting is is amazing. Here he goes. He's thanking Foggy as little as possible and trying to get him the fuck out. All right, when the stop trying to get this guy down, it's going to be one hell of a fight. Lives are going to get lost. All right, so what's Foggy going to say? That's what cops are for? Yeah, and that's right. And I said this in the previous podcast. You know, I mean, you can do the normal superhero trope that they're going to do of him and Karen giving him an increasingly hard time about distancing himself, but... To consider the alternative, cops dying and none of this ever getting taken care of. Now, of course, the city still functioned to a certain degree before Daredevil started this whole uh, city-based vigilante movement, uh, but they're a lot better off now without Kilgrave, the Black Sky, and all sorts of stuff. And so, rationally, not only is Matt, from a utilitarian standpoint, right on all counts here in terms of the greater good being the city... He's also protecting his friends. And I think his major character flaw is not trying to let Foggy in on the darkness emotionally. I think that's what Foggy wants. At least as much as him giving up the Daredevil suit is just straight up, 
you know, I thought we were best friends. Like, tell me what's going on in your head. But I think Daredevil can't admit it to himself. And that's why he's so dark and disturbed. And he wants to stay that way. And then Electra, of course, of all people, gets him to open up in the vulnerability. Kills her. Spoiler alert. Almost kills him numerous times. And, uh, you know, but that's the lesson, the wrong lesson he keeps taking from the whole thing. Is that he needs to keep the devil inside going to protect everyone including his friends who end up not really being his friends other than being good people and caring about him because he never hangs out with them and he doesn't tell them anything foggy bear great friendship why does he want murdoch this guy i guess murdoch was the original I, matt was the original guy to believe him uh, right army Mm-hmm. Right. Why is it just one man? I know he's a sociopath, says this guy. Yeah, no, it's like the Jedi. No one wants to believe that they're alive. <laughs> Frank Castle. Yeah. I mean, Frank Castle has killed probably thousands of people, which is staggering. You can include his army service, which you kind of have to. Right, a ghost story, mumbo jumbo, what is this Jedi nonsense? Mm-hmm. Shows how provincial a lot of these gangsters still are and having quite low intelligence for their <laughs> designs on the world. Close. Yeah, you're going to jail, buddy. Oh, protective custody. Witsec, Wiltsec, Pedal, I don't know what these words mean. Mm-hmm. Leads? Leads? <laughs> yeah, I got a lead. <laughs> Leads. <clears throat> oh, Big Lebowski. <clears throat> Never stops being funny. Like the best Seinfeld episodes. This guy is so dead. How does he get killed in prison? So he spent a lot of time in prison this season because of Frank, because of the Kingpin. It's fantastic. Take whatever deal they offer, he says. Mm, Clemens, that's Freeman who got Captain Jessica Jones. <laughs> that's a nice little inter-show reference there to JJ. I'm cray-cray for JJ, as you guys know. Even though I haven't watched the second season. <laughs> I can't. It's something so perfect. How could something be more perfect than something that's already perfect? It's by definition impossible. Just watching, guys. The whole force is split. Some cops want him off the street. Wait, is this Daredevil or Castle? Yeah, it's talking about Castle. Yeah. Even though the police department has been corrupt and continues to be corrupt, there are some that actually are okay with Castle killing people that they need to deal with and are, are trying to kill them. You know, gangsters. Devil Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. All my years in the forest, never seen anything like him. I'm thinking about Daredevil or uh, or Punisher there. <clears throat> oh, Karen in her little floral <laughs> silk blouse. She's like so pretty. It's like she's like. I think the problem with Karen until you get to know her as a great actress is she's like annoyingly pretty, and that's the problem with Laura Lance. 
Katie Cassidy in Arrow. And she's not that great of an actress, and she's annoyingly pretty. <laughs> what was that? Matt just got fucking rocked in his ear holes. So what's funny was, you know, I, I was constantly trying to spot the English accents of him and Finn Jones and other, uh, you know, Will Simpson and, and, and Rachel Taylor and all the various Netflix char- main and secondary characters who I knew were English. I thought I could, but on repeat watchings of all of these shows, it's almost imperceptible. And I think a lot of other shows have gotten sloppy in saying English talent is very affordable and better than American talent by far, on average, per capita. Uh, and we'll just assume they're going to get the American accent. It doesn't work necessarily like that. Does he catch the glass? No, he misses it. Hmm. He never misses. He needs... His his inner ear balance is way off the moment. But yeah, I, I'm the guy who I think most people like things to be a little long on first watching, but then when they rewatch it, they start saying, well, I could do with this being you know less long. I got things to do. Maybe I want to watch it again, but it's 52 minutes. Why can't it be 42 minutes? For me on rewatches, the extra 10, the quote unquote extra 10 minutes or so, like stuff like this is what makes the show on its own terms, but also worthy of rewatches. Uh-oh, this woman. Uh-oh. This woman is a great, great, great character because she represents everything about Frank Castle before we really know it. And she's so blatantly dislikable, uh, but, but human. She's not, like, psychotic. And then just when you start feeling sad for her, boom. So here goes, here's the biggest battle in terms of straight up against the DA uh, in the law administration of New York. Biggest battle that Karen and Foggy, well, Matt should be here, but he never is, um, that Foggy's had to go at. Our office will be handling the case from here. Yeah. Groat? <laughs> Did he call Grotto Groat? <laughs> I have to imagine that was intentional. That's hilarious. Yeah, we we handled Wilson Fisk, motherfuckers. Ooh, ooh, ripping apart their firm and their clientele. And then she offers the carrot with the favor. Right, she's she's blackmailing them, blackballing them, one hundred percent. Trying to cover her own ass. But she should let them in, and then maybe she would have survived. Is this about the favor? U.S. Attorney's Office. I got it. Department of Justice. Now he's saying he's going above her head to everyone. Yeah. I'm zealously protecting my client's rights. Right. Local DAs. Yep. Yep, yep. Witness protection is the feds, not the local New York. Look at Karen laughing in the background. That's clearly a like directed like act like you're laughing, but because she's out of frame, it's really f- cute and funny. A cell phone service here is awesome. Uh-uh. He's calling. Hi, this is Franklin Nelson. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. 
Yeah, they just had to give Foggy like ir- total irrational confidence, and then you're you're totally in on the, the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's trying to use the carrot of saying we're gonna help you get some bad guys, but you got the less to defend our client. Mm-hmm. It can't. I mean, that's like the only law you can't take away is being able to choose who protects you in the court of law. Right, let's find out their low-life client is even worth it. She's a low-life. Fuck you, lady. Karen's actually turned on by that. That's just round one. Yep. I think that's the other thing. Karen is clearly... this. The actress I know is, but even the character is way too smart to just be their assistant and way too independent-minded. And so it wasn't it, the normal lateral movements of moving her to a different job away from them to empower her more, although that's part of it. It just fits her character that she'd want to strike out on her own and be more aggressive with investigating things and not just, you know, doing administrative work, which I think a lot of people go through. Grotto. Groats. We have a second with our client. Oh, man. Makes me, just, makes me want to watch the Defenders. The more I individually love each of these seasons, the more I love the Defenders. I'm going to keep watching it to see all these characters together. The client has worked with Brass before. Right. Yeah, this is a story of two seasons. It's the Frank Castle court l- courtroom season, uh, you know, l- law firm, DA, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. But because Electra enters in at the exact wrong time, right as Matt Murdock seems to be getting his shit together, is what sustains the momentum from beginning to end. I mean, Electra doesn't make the season. She is the season. Even with The Punisher, better writing, more budget, the whole thing, even with everything else, you don't have the Electra arc in this season. You, you, you don't have a season. I mean, all non-origin stories, seasons, and movies are based on new characters that you introduce. You have to. The characters that have come before, you need to either love them more or less, hate them more or less, but you need those new complete wild cards. Uh, here's the uh, here's what your buddies look like. So we're gonna try and get an emotional response out of you. Very effective and non-threatening and completely legal strategy. So well done, team. Well done. She's great. She's so great. So, guys, I'm definitely going to talk about The Accountant, which I rented and rewatched again recently, and I love, and Bernthold has great gunplay in that as well, and is an amazing actor in that movie. You don't understand how important he is until the end with Ben Affleck. Uh, that's all I'll say, but... The Punisher. I, I definitely saw The Accountant, I believe, after this and before I watched The Punisher. And... But to me, John Bernthal has been a completely believable psychopath with guns for a long time. And this is another scene <clears throat> where he he is looking for a fight. And even though the guy behind the counter deserves a major beatdown and a jail sentence for what he admits coming up about kitty porn or whatever, d- does not deserve imminent death. A- and that is why the Punisher had to deal with these issues in the Punisher series. 
It wasn't just Arrow. That's the thing is, I always talk about I love season one of Arrow because he's killing bad guys. And it's interesting whether it's right or wrong. Uh, and then all the entire show for season after season becomes like, I'm not going to kill bad guys because my friends don't want me to, whatever. Punisher is a much more realistic, extreme, but realistic and human relatable, uh, uh, you know, romp through something quite different. Yep. So this is just straight up character building with the Punisher here. <coughs> You know, I mean, the thing is, they need you to, when you say, okay, let's say there's someone out there, Punisher killing, like, high-level, horrible, you know, cocaine smuggling, prostitute smuggling, uh, mass murderers, etc., those types of people, you're like, okay, maybe I could live with someone like, you know, Frank Castle. But we needed to see a situation where, again, this guy... Deserves a beat down in a jail sentence with a kitty porn if he's even being serious. But we also need to see the Punisher immediately upon hearing something that reminds him negative of his family. Even if this guy is just straight up lying, he might not even have fucking kitty porn. That Frank would then just stop everything and yet again not give two shits about just murdering someone. The thing is, you never like Punisher. And I think there's almost no payoff because... He, I think he shoots one person at the end of the series to save Matt Murdock. Elektra en- dies anyways, and, and that's like his pendants or something. Uh, I-, I think watching this now, this may have been my problem with the original viewing of the series, was he was too detestable, but then he didn't really do enough at the end for you to get on board with wanting to know more about him and giving him a chance as a real human being. Then you do watch The Punisher. Uh, here we go. You know, I got it all, man. Yeah, bondage, backdoor, grannies. Ooh, maybe you're in the market for something younger. She's barely 12, guaranteed. Ugh. But just because I love Bernthal and generally these Netflix shows, I... Uh, I came back for Punisher, and I'm so glad I did. It doesn't actually inform this character that much in terms of his portrayal in Daredevil because he's just, he's he seems evil, even though he's killing bad guys. We saw him almost kill a whole bunch of nurses and Karen. He just seems like a horrible, horrible bad guy who happens to fight bad guys even more horrible than him, and that's kind of the Punisher's character in the comics and in the conception of the character, but... You know, we we couldn't be on his side in Daredevil season two. We need to be on Daredevil's side, even if you're someone like me again, who's like take the bad guys out, and if they're really really horrible bad guys, take them out however you need to. <clears throat> Nevertheless, even someone more practical and utilitarian as myself is disgusted at just the visceral, brutal horribleness of the Punisher in this series. Overdue, past due, final notice. <laughs> First notice. So where did Karen go? So this is definitely a case of the introduction of the Punisher. Morgan Bartz. The introduction of the Punisher being more of a Karen uh, character building tool, which is totally, totally cool in my book. Right, so now she's obsessed with it because she almost died. And she knows it's weird that, right, it's bad luck. 
Fisk and now this guy. Right. Why am I always drawing this stuff? She sees it as a victimization complex, but because she's always trying to take charge with her life, you can understand it. I mean, it's true that her life was almost ruined and her killed by the Fisk situation, and it does seem to be happening again. It's hard to blame her, given the added stress of their new case and Matt never being around. You're not the one who deserves to be punished. Ayo, says Foggy. And here's him being him, his his uh, fake, not fake, but like, he seems to be flirting with her, but it's really just friendly stuff. Which I dig. I'm buying. Yeah, you can get people to do anything, offer them free drinks or free coffee. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. And I don't think we're, we're near a lecture yet. I just, I... <laughs> I had heard various things in the lecture. When she enters the series, you're like, oh my god, everything's going to go to shit. You immediately can tell that everything's going to go to shit on so many levels. Distant knocking. Oh, he's, he's starting to hear again, finally. Yeah. Yeah, if he, if he loses his hearing, he's in big trouble. Big trouble, no spoilers. Maybe one of his two mates making him feel guilty. Yep, here's one of them. <laughs> Another great reason, by the way, to have them all in Hell's Kitchen is that, you know, Arrow, like I always joke about everyone shows up at the Queen Mansion, you know, conveniently to talk to Thea or Oliver or whatever. But in Hell's Kitchen, we're talking to like a 10 block by 20 block radius at most. So it's uh, very doable by foot. Karen's losing it. The thing is, and this is what was what's so tragic about this, is she wants to, she never wants to show her vulnerable girl side, if you will, but she sort of wants to run him just to open him up and because she's attracted to him. And his rejection forces her to become more hardened, which she needs in New York, this pretty girl from Vermont. She's still extremely vulnerable and in danger. It's not what it looks like. What does it look like, she says. I don't mean to pray. Oh, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. Yeah, you know it doesn't help, right? Right. So it's not the broken glass. It's the not showing up for work, the damages in his fa- on his face. You walk into a door, you know I'm blind, and you know they're not an idiot. She knows something else is going on. What is he, what's the lie that he spins here? She, look at her, she wants to believe. Just tell me anything I can believe so we can move on. Mm-hmm. If you ever feel like you can tell me what's really going on, I'm here. Yep. Yep. I mean, he gives her a chance romantically just for being great. And I mean, she's pretty in his world. I don't know what she looks like, but just because she's great, he gives her a chance, but he's never really attracted to her. I mean, who wouldn't be attracted to this woman, even if you're blind? Uh, But, uh, and by the way, being attractive to non-blind men and blind men, that is quite an accomplishment. So well done, Karen Page. 
She's so much better than Laura Lance. I'm sorry, Katie Cassidy. This this vulner- overly vulnerable sidekick, female sidekick, is just way, way, way more appealing. Better actress, better writing. Fits in this world better. Right, what do they know about him? He's very scary, but I could have told you that. Right, they're keeping it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, great. Mm-hmm. You think he's crazy. Interesting. The Punisher? No. I think it was inevitable. Oh, does this begin her critique of the Daredevil? We created him, she said. Right, that's the this is the main superhero argument throughout the years. Right. Yeah. There's no connection. Yep. Right, Daredevil practices vigilante justice in her backyard, and we applauded him for it. Now she's having second thoughts, but then she learns about Frank's family, and she becomes pro-vigilante again, big time. There's a difference. Right, Daredevil never killed anyone. Not that we know of. <clears throat> And this, of course, informs the even increased self-righteousness, passion, and self-moralization in the rooftop discussion coming up in this episode or next between uh, Matt and Frank. I mean, having to be the blatantly naive one with the truth staring in front of the face is a really, really tough role for woman or man, and they almost always give it to a woman for obvious gender normative reasons. She's great. She's great. Thanks for coming around. Wait, Matt, I, um... Is this... We care about you. Uh-huh. Oh, she's leaning in. She's getting way closer. If, if she knew that he could see her, essentially, she would not have leaned in so close to him and constantly touching him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Here's the, the body armor designing savant, <laughs> who he frees from Fisk and now makes him custom. Right. One, that's the thing. One inch in either, of this, in either direction would have killed him, even with the mask. Matt says, I got lucky. The... Right, it was a warning shot. Frank knew what he was doing. Yep, he could have finished him off. <laughs> Can you fix it or not? I designed it. Come on. Oh, he doesn't want to keep doing this stuff. I'm not a criminal, Melvin. Yeah, it's true. He doesn't have a badge. Yeah. He even has to convince the costume maker of the moral righteousness of all this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Matt freed Betsy by getting rid of Kingpin. This guy was beholden to Kingpin because of threat on his wife or, or daughter, whoever. I can't just fix this. Mm-hmm. Right, the cracks reverberated through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Gotta start from scratch. 
Oh, he gets a new helmet early in the season. I forgot that. Oh, that's how they. That's how they. This is how they retcon whatever design they came up with for the very end of season one with what becomes his main costume here, the defenders and so forth going forward. We keep each other safe. Do your best. We're also supposed to very much dislike Matt Murdock early in the season, I think, because with the contrast for Frank Castle, ultimately rooting for him, the vulnerability with Electra, but then the fact that he is actingly overly zealous as Daredevil, like he doesn't need to be alienating his friends and neglecting his job to the level that he is. But once the hand in the black sky starts coming into the picture and everything crazy about that, he is rationally within his right to forswear everything else fully into the job. Yeah, I, I still believe they should have done crossovers in the beginning. Like, what if Danny Rand just shows up here, you know, or or he interacts with JJ? Um, I guess there's filming schedules and everything else, and they want to give everyone their own show, but... I think people would be more excited being like, oh, I'm getting 13 episodes of Daredevil, but all my other favorite characters might show up at some cool point in it. So it's going to get me even more invested. Mmm. Are those teeth with... Ew. Are those teeth with blood? Oh, is this where the chain fight starts? Is this it? Is this the big is this the big fight? Hmm. Smells it. What does it smell like, Matt? I actually would have been cool with him doing a sort of Batgirl Barbara Gordon thing where we were hearing his inner thoughts narrated by him, not spoken aloud, you know. Like old school PI stuff. Hell and I I pick up the chain and I smell it and blah, 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 blah. I, I mean, you don't need it at all whatsoever. And it works with the blindness of the character and so many other themes. But having him occasionally talk to himself within his head, because we know how many words are being exchanged to himself, so to speak. It, it, in reality, uh, it would be cool to hear some of that on, on screen. Now, what is this? Chain? That's one of the many cool side uses of the super hearing is hearing police radio chatter from like three blocks away. So he always knows when there's a major crime going down. Now, this isn't the fight with Frank because he's, he's in the mask and costume with Frank. Oh, Oh, is this it? Is this the is this the fight? The one that everyone was talking about coming into the series? I always think it's episode three, but I think it's two. Uh, yeah, the green and yellow walls. I, I never forget. And he has the chain. This is the, you know, multi-stage. They try and make it look like a single camera, like children to men style. 
is is awesome. It's unmatched with anything else in the series. Oh, the ninja stuff towards the end of the lecture is phenomenal, but I, I would never say you blow your load on, on, on an extended scene like this because just doing it all and pulling it off is reward enough for us hardcore nerds those of us who have stuck with these properties over the years. Bulldogs are mean. I know the whole pro-bulldog movement, um, or pit bull, I should say, movement, but they're they're not nice. Let me put it this way. When they're not nice, they're really scary. Some of them are very sweet. Was he even punched in the head, the dog? Jesus Christ. Is it a dog-fighting dog? Nothing worse than dog-fighting. It's despicable. Oh, this is one of his lairs. There's the guns. What's he mixing? Bombs? Maybe it's not here with the extended uh, chain scene. We're breaking this down for pots. That <laughs> was so clearly a doll. He pulled out of the trailer. Oh, man, that was bad. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Netflix Marvel. He still looks fake. <laughs> Cleaning out the blood. Sometimes we got, you know, ventilation thing at the bottom for this sort of thing. Oh, God. Uh oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, I think that fight comes after he escapes from Frank, so we might be a couple episodes off from that, even. This guy can't hear anything <laughs> until... Whoa! Uh-oh. Oh, he's got one eye. Here comes the Punisher. Does he punish or murder this old guy? I think he probably does. Yeah, he's gonna do it. Still hearing the radios. What's he hearing? Hmm. Oh, he's he's honing in on something. Northeast of the warehouse. Uh huh. Give me a video camera and a boom mic. Oh, that's hilarious. That was very funny. <laughs> She's so sweet with this scumbag. <laughs> Poor Karen. Yeah. You should be concerned, yes. Mm-hmm. Confirm it. Got no reason not to trust you. Yeah, that's not going to make anyone feel good, Foggy.
She's so mean. <laughs> God. She's such a raging biatch. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about Frank Castle? Karen has to just keep being traumatized by events like this. Just shut your mouth, Foggy. Jesus Christ. I hate Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know this isn't gonna last. <laughs> this poor bastard. He does thank her, though, which is a nice. She a nice gesture. What does he say? <laughs> Gives him the finger. I mean, Karen just grows fond of anyone with even a spark of goodness. She w wants to save. I mean, she's the true superhero. I think that's obviously the point of the whole thing. This guy's still causing pro What are you doing? The fuck? Alright, this is right. This is it. This I think this episode ends with them on the rooftop together. It is episode three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the plot is, is, is actually pretty um, obscure or obscured throughout the early part of the season and but what happens when you have amazing character interactions like Elektra and Daredevil through a whole season is 
it takes the pressure off the plot having to bear so much of the load. You can tell your story. It can be a good story, a great story, just a so-so story because you've got the love, you know, the, the, the mental <laughs> love story, as I've been calling it, uh, to sustain the viewers and sustain the narrative. Uh-oh. Fields of Fire. Yeah. Oh, this was bait from the Punisher. She's so desperate to save herself and her family. <laughs> He's already talking about suing her. Yeah, she does have to. She just ends up leveling them. Uh, no, she ends up leveling with them later on after Frank escapes prison and comes after her. So thick. It's a good thing Frank went to prison before murdering her because then he never. He would really never get out. This is just like the Dark Knight with the pr- the. Prisoner transfer. You know, or we knew a Joker was going to try and take Harvey Dent. Keep your bead. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, man, he's dead. Oh, he shot the thing. He put like a, you know, he put like a rock on the, the accelerator. Bastard knew it was a trap. Yeah, of course he did. He's the fucking Punisher. He who pu- punisheth. A walking bowl of punishment. It's a great narrative bait and switch, man. You think it's going to be all about the Punisher and Electra makes him not irrelevant, but I just. It's probably the only Netflix season that really has. Doesn't earn or deserve, but like needed 13 episodes. Here it comes. Uh oh. Here it comes. Here it comes. The beginning of the roof battle, baby. Oh, this is so great. This is it. This is it. You've got to get in on this relationship. The fact that Matt has to juggle stopping but not killing Frank and Electra as the series goes on, I mean, it's just, it's inspired. It's absolutely inspired. Here they go at each other here. Ba 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 boom. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Why is he. Why is Karen trying to go out there? What the hell is wrong with you? Target acquired. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a clean target. They're, t- they're saying kill him. They're saying kill him. Did you get hit there? A little shaky cam, boom, blood splattered on the camera. So I want to know who the who the first director was who, if it was Tarantino or who it was, to, to to really explore the notion of blood splattering against the camera to make you feel like you're there and it's getting in your eyes. Uh, there he gets in the arm. Okay. All right. Just a lot of brutality at the end of this episode. Not much to say. Um, Frank's obviously a bigger dude, slightly. I mean, certainly, you know, bigger. Oh, Foggy. Foggy knows it's Matt. Oh, no. 
Okay. As they both pant like pathetically damaged animals. Mm-hmm. I think he gets a final shot on uh, on D here because he ties up D for the next episode for the the the, the platonic dialogue, as I like to call it, sizing each other up. Frank's just annoyed. He never hates Daredevil. He's just annoyed he's getting in his way. This guy who thinks he's better than him. Whoa. What is that? Did he get hit by some poison? They're both stumbling, but all of a sudden we're from Daredevil's perspective. His hearing is off. This is the ringing in the ears. Does Frank Castle take this moment to just pop him down? Looks like it. Oh no, Foggy. Oh no. Yeah, he got in better shape too. Uh, you know like a lot of actors in hollywood i'm sure they like that he was chubby and it remains chubby that's part of the charm but you don't want to make him look like a goof running around there's blood splatter nobody there foggy yet again that's exactly how the last episode ended foggy being like oh no he's dead god damn it they killed matt murdoch All right, guys. Well, it really kicks into full gear with New York's finest next episode, which is amazing. Uh, the conversation between Frank and and, uh, and Matt. And I very much look forward to commenting on that. Thank you guys for joining me as always. May the forest be with you. Y'all have been awesome. I'll be back at you soon. I have been the Bizzle, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.